Hey guys, and welcome to season three of the Us People podcast. I'm your host, Savia Rox, and in this season, I get to make my guests laugh, cry, and even make them think about life a little differently with the questions I fire over to them, which digs into their lives and professions a little differently. We even had a chance to change up the intro, giving you a fresh new sound. I look forward to sharing season three of the Us People podcast with you. Let's go. Hey everyone, my name is Ivy. Um, I promote diversity and inclusion um, at work in China and Asia. You are listening to Us People podcast with Xavier Works. Made up my mind, now is my time to shine. Now is my time to shine. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Ask People Podcast. I'm your host, Sadie Rocks, and today I've got Ivy Wong here with me, who is the co-founder of Diversity and Inclusion Consulting. Ivy, thank you so much for coming on the show again, so we can re-record the Ask People Podcast. How are you? I'm good. Good morning. Thank you for having me again, Zavia. <laughs> she's got a coffee in her hand and she's ready to go. <laughs> so, Ivy, could you tell me a bit about yourself and where you grew up, but also how that influenced you to be the person who you are today? Sure. Um, hi, everyone. My name is Ivy, originally from Hong Kong. have been in diversity inclusion area uh, for the last um, around seven, eight years. So, um, 2017, I decided to move from Hong Kong to Shanghai. Um, there's various reasons because, uh, one of I think one of the reasons is because, uh, as a person from Hong Kong, I don't really know much about mainland China. And also because my parents are actually from mainland China and I thought that you know, I, I should, I should go to China to see, you know, how it is, uh, at least from my own perspective. And the other reason is, you know, I've been working in diversity inclusion, um, driving uh, workplace inclusion in Hong Kong from 2015 to 2017. And, and I, when I look at China, it seems that the topic is quite new at that time. And a lot of, but at the same time, a lot of companies wanted to talk about it. So I thought that I should try and, and see, you know, what I can do in mainland China. And that's why in 2017, 2018, I decided to move to Shanghai. Um, additionally, I started as um, a volunteer in a community organization called Shanghai Pride, which is which was the largest um, LGBT organization at that time in China promoting LGBT inclusion. And at that time, there, there's not much um, workplace initiatives in mainland China. And I talked to the founder, co-founder of Shanghai Pride, Shalini Liu, and I, and then we start something. Uh, small around workplace. So initially we start around um, organizing workplace conference every year, um, inviting you know senior leaders, HR professional DNI champions to share best practice um, on promoting LGBT inclusion within mainland China. Um, fast forward 2020, um, the co-founder of Shanghai Pride and I was like, oh, we see a lot of growing demand from companies, uh, especially multinational companies in, in China. So why not just establish um, a business entity, a consulting, to see if we can you know, make it more professional. 
And so I think just before the pandemic, we we, we established the entity. Um, but then because of the pandemic, we didn't really do much for the first you know, half a year. But uh, around June 2020, we decided to pull another conference to drop fair again. And, and things just took off uh, since then. Um, we do a lot, we, we, we work a lot with companies on driving, especially LGBT inclusion. Um, but then, especially last year, we, we find out that actually a lot of companies don't really know what is diversity inclusion means in mainland China. And so gradually we decided to you know, go back to step zero to really expand our focus or them not just cover LGBT, but also um, in a wider diversity inclusion, 101, what is microaggression and conscious bias, et cetera. And, you know, giving, um, giving people, especially Chinese employees, tools and vocabulary, and also like a safe space for people to really ask questions and to clarify, you know, what is it about within the China context? That sounds really cool for you to actually go and do that. <clears throat> I know in... Here in London, a lot of people still hide away, but it's a lot more open. You can actually be yourself. Whereas when I do travel to other countries, I do see the division. And I it, it is disappointing that it's still like that today. It really, really is still disappointing. But with people like yourself, Ivy, I know that things will change. And we need a lot more people like you. Could you tell me, or could you define who you are as a person and who you see when you look in the mirror but on the flip side of that question could you tell me a bit about has there ever been a time in your life where you have looked in the mirror and not recognized the person staring back at you how did you manage to become and be the positive person who you are today it's a long question <laughs> yeah it's a, it's a long one it's a long one ivy um, I think there's one point, I mean, I'm still young, I'm just 30, <laughs> I mean, um, but there's one point in my life that I really did, didn't really recognize myself, I think, back, I think, 10 years ago when I was, you know, um, graduated from high school and, and entering uh, university times, and I think at that time, a lot of things changed, especially, you know, I, I, I start to kind of get out of the comfort zone or you know, protection of high school and then need to venture out the university, you know, everything has to be, you know, um, take care on your own and you need to start to socialize, et cetera, et cetera. And I, think, I remember at that time, also my grandmother's really, really sick and or really uh, at the end of her life. And, and at that time, she actually passed away just a few weeks after I, I got into university and uh, during that time actually my first university actually wasn't my my favorite you know major at the school at that time and I was I was actually at a loss you know I lost my grandparents and I went into a university that I don't really like I studied actually for four years and then I was like well I studied for nothing because at the end I couldn't I couldn't study what I want to study and at that time, also my my boyfriend was, um, you know, uh, breaking up with me, and I feel like you know the world is breaking down. And um, I think at one point I was like, I was asking myself, like, 
do I really want to spend? Because I, I went into a business, I got into a business school at that time, but I didn't really like it. And then at one point after I started my university, I was asking myself, do I really want to spend three years studying a degree that I don't like and also a degree that I probably someone would replace me? Because studying a business, you don't really need a business degree to, for example, go into a business role. In the real world, you can study you know, chemical chemistry. You know, you can, you can get a business from. So I was like asking myself, what am I doing at that time? And I really couldn't recognize myself. You know, and and then and then I started to talk to people, uh, talk to my friends about an idea of quitting school and retaking, you know, A level at that time. And people were like, are you crazy? No, A level is so hard. It's so hard in Hong Kong, especially. Mm. And why are you repeating it? And and also in Hong Kong, there's actually. And then they were like, oh, you, at least you have a degree. There are lots of people couldn't get a degree in university and Hong Kong. And I was like, but that's not what I want. And and I struggled a lot. And at one point, I was like, okay, if I imagine myself in that that like nearing the end of my life if I recall my my life would I regret not quitting the school and repeating you know the A level and get in and try again to get into the school that I want and then the, the immediate answer is yes I, I would definitely regret it if I didn't try again and and so at that time I just you know I didn't really tell a lot of people I even quit social media because I didn't want to see my friends yeah. enjoy their school life <laughs> and um and then, uh, yeah, I, I, and then I retook my level and at the end, fortunately, I got into the school that I want and also the major that I wanted to study. And yeah, so I think, you know, because of this you know, instant and also you know, looking back my school life and also my um, career, I'm always the one who, who, who listens to my heart because I always know there are a lot of sounds of opinions about you know what you should do what you shouldn't do you should follow the path of the majority but then i feel like i wasn't really kind of a majority person yeah. <laughs> i mean when i look back i know i when i when i graduate i don't really go into like big four or go into straight to the graduate school i actually took up uh, Consulting, consulting work that, that promote diversity inclusion, especially on LGBT. And at that time, back in 2015, super new and very edgy, and no one really know what it's about. Um, and then 2017, when everyone wanted to go to the US, go to UK, I, and then and then I actually went to you know Shanghai. Um, so I think. Uh, I, uh, when I look back, I just I think, I think I'm a person who always um, venture out, and also uh, I remember one one friend who told me that oh, Ivy, you actually enjoy uh, going through difficult things or doing difficult things. I was like, yeah, I think so. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so when because you know, for my idea, like I always think that well, if I'm doing things that people are doing there's no value for me to do it yeah um why i need to do that if everyone is doing it it's, it's not my purpose but my value and so i i think the the process from starting something from zero to step one this process 
it's very challenging, it's very difficult, but then somehow I, I enjoy it. And then after I establishing, you know, the step one, and then go to step two, then I was like, oh, maybe I should try something else. <laughs> so yeah, I'm a person who always make my own life difficult and sometimes also make people around me difficult, especially, you know, my parents, my family, sometimes <laughs> don't really understand what I do. <laughs> don't really follow what a typical Chinese girl should do in their life. But um, yeah, sometimes you can say that I'm selfish uh, because I just I just follow my own heart and fulfill my own you know satisfaction. Um, yeah, so yeah, this is this is me. No, it's <laughs> People fine to me. Who, who, a person who take adventure, um, yeah, and and makes my own life. I think I think there's nothing wrong with being selfish sometimes for you to go and do what you feel is best for not just yourself but other people because other people are always going to learn from what you do Ivy and experience that so there's nothing wrong with it I think sometimes we feel bad if we're <coughs> excuse me if we are selfish in what we're doing but to be honest with you we all need to be a little bit selfish sometimes for our own souls and for our own sakes there is one i would love to ask you which is if you could teach people about diversity and belonging especially in the lgbtq community about standing up for themselves and believing in themselves what would you say that you are passionate about that means a lot to you okay if i can teach some Body who do not know LGBT or diversity inclusion yeah. at all. Um, I think generally people, especially people from China or people from Asia, do not really know about diversity or LGBT inclusion. Yeah. And when people do not know it, they start to uh, be against it. Um, somehow they, they defend themselves, I would say. And, and how they defend themselves, they start to attack other people and and I think if I could ask people to to learn anything diversity inclusion LGBT even people with disabilities I would say that I was I, I would suggest people start to ask questions first or start talking to to a person from the community that you don't know um, if like for example start if you don't know anything about LGBT, start talking to someone who are from LGBT community. For example, if actually, even though I'm in, in this, I work in this area for more than like almost a decade, I don't really know what's going on. For example, transgender community, and also intersex community. And I try, my, I try to talk to them and I know, ask their pers sometimes personal questions. Um, if they are comfortable, they would, they would be shared. And I think, uh, this process of asking questions is really, really um, important in learning, in learning anything, especially the LGBT community, because there's so much myths and misconceptions around this um, community, especially from China and Asia. Um, people, you know, in China especially, LGBT, being LGBT is not illegal in China, so you can literally go into the street and say that you are from LGBT in China, it's fine. 
um, homosexual is not a crime in China, you know, versus, for example, in Singapore, actually homosexuality between men is a crime. So, you know, in terms of legal, uh, China is actually more progressive than Singapore. Wow. Um, and there's actually a lot of space, I would say, for, um, to do stuff um, uh, around LGBT inclusion in China, especially from the business community. Um, there is a report from the UN saying that you know, LGBT people face discrimination actually more from their family than from the workplace. Yeah, that's true. And so I was always telling people, you know, when the media is, um, the media and also, you know, the, your, your, your personal life, your family is so against you, um, you know, probably workplace would be the next uh, safe haven. Um, uh, for the LGBT community, because if companies are willing to put uh, business, uh, if willing to put LGBT initiative or LGBT inclusion as part of the HR strategy or recruitment strategy, is nothing wrong for companies to talk about LGBT inclusion in China. So, um, I think yeah. At the end of the day, if we don't know anything, just ask. You know, Google it, and you know, talk to the people that who know about it. And then this really helps in your own learning, and also help people uh, from LGBT community or you know who are in this area to really understand what's going on. Um, in in uh, you know in in China, I remember. Um, one time because in China we do a lot of um you know, diversity inclusion, LGBT inclusion 101 training to Chinese employees. And there are, there are people, so we, we have this uh, safe space, we create safe space by using Mentimeter, you know, yeah. an anonymous um, interactive tool for people to ask questions. So, you know, you can put out your question without putting your name. And I remember there's one person asking, oh, if there's any authority to verify that you are LGBT in China, so somehow, you know, the people thought that you, you, people, you should have a certificate to verify that you're LGBT in China. So that's, I would say, that's the understanding right now uh, among, you know, the general people um, in China around this area. You know. Sometimes questions are, you know, I would call it innocent, but at least they are willing to ask. Yeah. And, and that's how I see the progress because if people are willing to ask questions, uh, no matter how innocent it is, I, I always see that as a positive sign um, mm -hmm. to progress and improvement of understanding and also create a safe place for the LGBT community in China. What was your earliest experience, Ivy, of, of being part of the LGBTQ community or even something happening to you where you thought oh my gosh why is this happening or why are they being that way towards me for example what was your first experience of being part of the lgbtq community and how did it affect you um you know personally and my experience with the elderly community is actually quite interesting <laughs> because industrially when I start to work on LGBT inclusion, I, I, I start as a straight ally, meaning yeah. someone who identifies exclusively heterosexual, who will support the LGBT community. But recently, I actually, um, you know, I got into a relationship with a same-sex uh, person. So right now, I'm 
sort of in a transition into a more uh, a person you may call me a lesbian, you may call me a bisexual, you may call me a, uh, someone who is good. Um, but then for the majority of my time is more like a heterosexual uh, ally. And, and my, I think my experience is, you know, uh, my experience, I'm just thinking from my experience in Hong Kong and also in China, I would say it's quite different because in Hong Kong, um, the the climate the environment is quite open towards LGBT people, yeah. um, and the knowledge around LGBT people among general people public is is quite high. I would say, um, especially from uh, people who are working in multinational companies, they know basics around LGBT people in Hong Kong. For example, if it's legal, if it's entrepreneurs, they will ask more advanced questions. Yeah. Like, for example, question around transgender or intersex. Um, but of course, there is still people who would not know. For example, I remember when I was a student um, back in University of Hong Kong, when I was on the street, um, you know, distributing leaflet, promoting LGBT inclusion, people would ask me why I support LGBT people, and there was, and then they will say, oh, if you support LGBT, why you, then why don't you support people who you know, set fire to the house, who rob, who took drugs? So people, some of that, people who compare LGBT people who, yeah. uh, uh, with the people who, you know, uh, who are uh, doing crime. Um, it, this is it's actually happened around 2013, 14. In five or six years ago, and when I come to China, I would say, um, of course, uh, the general perception is, I would say, relatively low compared to Hong Kong, and people are still asking a lot of different questions, and especially in China, um, doing events, organizing events, and promoting it is. I would say it's much more challenging than Hong Kong because yeah. there's always last minute change um, in terms of venue, in terms of promoting promotion uh, in the social media. Um, you, I would say you need to think twice in order to organize just one event in, in China. But in Hong Kong, I was like, okay, just organize this talk with this company. And that's it. That yeah. you know, it can be, it can, and then you do not need to worry anything. Just worry about if there's any people coming. <laughs> then in China, you're like, oh, you need to worry if people coming. You need to worry that if there's any authority is asking questions. You need to worry that if the company are okay with it. Uh, even if you promote it, you need to be more subtle to say that it's diversity inclusion. It's not really LGBT events. There's a lot of worries, um, uh, you know, in organizing events in China. But then it doesn't mean that it's not possible. It's just more challenging. But, you know, they have to space. And then if you if you try harder, you know, things can, can work. And, and it really depends if you are willing to try and to kind of uh, you know, sometimes uh, shoulder all this pressure. Um, in China that sounds really cool I'm glad that you're doing I know it's difficult in every country to do something different but 
There's also something that I did want to ask you. It's quite a hard question, um, in a sense. Is what is the hardest question you have ever had to ask yourself that you had to be truthful about? Especially when you're, I know you were saying you were with a guy at first and transitioning over to being with a woman. And I know how difficult that can be because I've been in the situation too. So, <laughs> but in the sense of understanding it just for yourself, what is the hardest question that you have ever had to ask yourself and be truthful about that helped you to evolve and become who you are today and feel better about yourself? Mm, I think um, in the last six months, I, I I think I would I evolve a lot and I grow a lot. Especially you know I start a relationship with a person who share the same gender as me, and I start to realize the discrimination that LGBT people face, uh, whether in China or even in in Europe or you know in in a system in general, and. Um, and you know, because right now I'm I'm actually in London, not in Shanghai. I, I travel. I was traveling around Europe in the last few months, and and I think when I depart from Shanghai to Europe, people are asking me, "Why are you coming to to Europe during pandemic?" And they literally they almost didn't want me to board the plane just because I I was on a sort of a visitor visa and. When they asked me who I'm visiting, I was like, oh, partner. And, you know, in, in Chinese, but then it's not really, this word is not really common in sort of inaugural communication. Sometimes you just say boyfriend or girlfriend or nanpanyo in Chinese. And, and so I, I sense that, you know, the people on the ground, uh, the staff on, on the checking in country didn't really understand. And then they keep asking, who are you? Who are you? Are who are you visiting? And I, you know, you need a lot of the embassy to invite you to come to, you know, Europe. And I was like, oh, why? Why? But you know, I have a freedom to travel, and you know, this kind of things that I, I never experienced before. Well, I heard a lot, especially from people with the community. But then this is actually my my first experience, um, to experience it, and and I start to. More understand it and and person how it feels like is important to find. And I think a few weeks ago I was um, in this um, course online course uh, with the Chinese uh, community. So it's very local Chinese. Everything is in Mandarin, and it's it's a course on impact of communication and relationship. And and it's the last course that I attend online. And then during the last call, I need I need to prepare a graduation speech, and also I need to invite someone to to kind of witness and be my guest um, for this course. And so because my partner actually was one of the um, uh, teacher or a trainer of this course, she actually recommended me to attend this course. And so because of that, she. She just become one of my guests uh, uh, for this course, and then um, during the during the course, I actually need to inter- introduce who she is to me, yeah. and I ask her, "Oh, how should I introduce to you?" 
And then should I say you are my partner? Like in English, should I say, "Oh, you are my partner." And then she was like, "I don't know. You just, you just, you just <laughs> And I was like, "But also, this course, people have been doing this course. People,、uh, other people have been saying that. Oh, my husband, my wife, my boyfriend." And I was like, "If I say my partner, it's it's quite neutral, but at the same time, it's very subtle and、yes. very vague." Especially in in Chinese as fun in Chinese and even part of English, people probably would not understand. And I was like, "Oh, should I should I introduce my partner as partner, or should I introduce my partner as lover?" Because in Chinese, it's more common for Chinese people to say to introduce your partner. And then, so I was I was I I, I was thinking, but I didn't really struggle a lot because I was like. Why people are able to introduce their partner as wife and husband, but why cannot I introduce my partner as lover?、Yeah. I just asked myself this question. I was like, well, why? Why cannot? And I was like, okay, when so when is my time to introduce my partner? I was like, oh, this is my lover. And then I think there are some people who got shocked <laughs> because one time I I out myself, and also at the same time I out my partner. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. I don't really apologize. No, I, I, I'm proud. I'm proud that she is my partner. Exactly. She is my lover. I'm proud that you know I'm with her. I'm proud that you know we we are together in this space. And I remember there's one person in the chat box saying that oh she is your you know she is your partner is really really good、uh, your supporter or something. And、um, yeah, that's it. And I like to enjoy. And、uh, now I think I like to enjoy shopping more. <laughs> But then, I,、like uh, I feel good about it.、Uh, I feel good that I can be myself. I feel good that you know I can introduce my partner, my lover in China. And yeah, so I think this is the first step that I accept myself and also accept my partner. Uh, also, this is kind of a rehearsal for me to come out to my parents. <laughs> <laughs> How did, have you come out to your parents? Did you tell no. your parents? No, not yet. Not yet.、Oh. I I come out to my brother. Okay. Um. So it's very interesting. So I I I told my brother via WhatsApp group, WhatsApp message. I said, "Oh, I, I broke up with my ex boyfriend." Yeah. And then he was like, "Oh, why, why you don't, why you break up? You know, it's I thought that you love him a lot, and then I didn't know what to what to answer. And then I wait, and then the next question he asked was like, 'Oh, your new partner is a girl.'、Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I was shocked. I was like, 'How can my brother know? Yeah, no. Because I didn't really put anything on social media. I didn't really talk to him much. I didn't really.'" Leak anything, I think, and I was like, "Why you you would, why you know?" And then he was, "Why、like, I didn't, I don't know. I just thought, I feel it. I just didn't tell you." And I was like, "Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah." It's the、uh, the magic between brother and sister. So somehow he he knew that I'm part of the bit. But then、um, yeah, I mean before before with. Before this relationship, I, I I didn't really know that I I am part of the LGBT. But then I don't really care because I think I've been 
I've been in this community long enough that I sometimes I treat myself as part of the yeah. community and I don't really reject the idea as well. And so, yeah. I like it. That's a good that's a good way. What about your parents? How do you feel about telling them when you do tell them? Do you feel how do you think they're gonna to react towards you? I think we I I, I had I need the strategy to tell because <laughs> I need to tell them a lot of things. Like for example, first I need to tell them that I'm moving to Europe. Okay. And from you know, from Hong Kong, Shanghai, you know, going to Europe. I think this is one thing I already shot out because of the situation right now um, between Hong Kong, you know, and around the world. And I think, you know, going to Europe is always my way. So I just sort of take the leverage, the point of, you know, because of political situation right now, I think I need to immigrate to Europe. It's, it, I think it's better for my life, not my <laughs> career. <laughs> and then they support it. So this one step already. But, so this uh, moving to Europe thing, is okay. I think the next step is introducing that I probably would move to, you know, Sweden and, you mm. know, and somehow, you know, move, move in with my partner. I think this may take some time. Um, but then it, I'm still trying to find a way to sort of smoothly <laughs> introduce. Um, but, you know, the way to deal with Chinese parents is they, I think at the end of the day, they don't, I think I, I just guess, um, you know, that it's fine that, you know, as long as, because, you know, Chinese parents are very practical and they worry about if you're safe, if you are well taken care of, and especially if you are house, if you have a house yeah. <laughs> and if you have, you know, enough saving. And so we are thinking, oh, maybe we just buy a house first. And then after that, we can tell them, oh, we are moving together in Sweden and it's in that we got a house. <laughs> and then this will, you know, help sort of buy in. Yeah. <laughs> this and this is just my imagination. And yeah, we'll keep you, keep you informed of how this progress. Yeah, yeah, let me know how that goes because that's definitely something I want to know. You know, yeah. I definitely want to know how that goes with you. But I'm sure, regardless of what happens, I know that you're going to be happy in what you do. And because mm. of what you're doing, you're going to have a lot of support supporting you in transitioning over to do whatever you want to do so ivy you've got my support so thank you <laughs> no that's perfect there is one question that i know i have seen around me which is right now within a lot of countries um a lot of countries don't protect as you said gay lesbian bisexual transgender people from discrimination which is what we've been talking a lot about these people are still being treated unfairly and even getting fired at their jobs and their roles and denied housing which we all know how do you believe as a community within different countries different countries have different laws yes we know but how can we as people especially part of the community that we are in help this to change and help these people stop being discriminated against because the people who have power have the power how can we get to those people of power and say what you're doing is wrong because we all love is love like we all know but how can we get to those people to make them change their minds to give people an equal opportunity and chance so that they can live the life that they want to mm, i think that's 
several ways. I think one way is to be visible. Um, to be visible um, as an ally, as a straight ally, as an ally, as someone who is LGBT. Um, by, for example, posting on social media, posting on LinkedIn, um, make sure people uh, know you. I think you know, getting being famous is not is not really my thing. You know, as a, as an introvert, I, I never want to be famous. I never want to be so high profile. But at the same time, I know that if I want my voice to be heard, if I want people, the role model to follow, especially, you know, as Asia, in Asia or in China or Hong Kong, uh, I need to be more vocal. And and, I've, and and that's why last year I started to put myself up and, and you know, and also, you know, nominate my own, myself to, to some awards. And I think one of the things, you know, getting famous is part of my job so that people know that there, there, are, there are people out there um, who are supporting them. And at the same time, also for people who do not know this community to ask questions, I think visibility is really, really important because I'm a firm believer that, you know, people do not become what they cannot see out there. Um, so I think uh, it, it just takes some people like me and you to really step out of the comfort zone to say, tell the world that, you know, we are out there. Um, if you have any question, reach out to us. Um, if you have anything against the community, also talk to us. You know, we we can always have a debate, have a conversation, have tea, coffee. Um, so yeah, being visible is really really important. And as I said before, you know, um, if you are someone who don't know the community, just just ask questions. And talk to the people, and I'm sure that people who are from the community would be willing to answer any question. Yeah, most definitely, that you and because they are thankful that you know you you start you you are willing to to learn about the community and to um to to try to understand uh the community, and so yeah, I, I mean it, it don't it won't take. One, uh, it won't change overnight, but you know, if we, if each of us just do little, little, small little things, one point at a time, then this ripple effect would happen and and, and make an impact to the community as a whole. Um, yeah. So I think don't underestimate your own power. I would say, um, your own influence. Because even you just change one person's mind, it, it, it makes a lot of difference because that one person will start to talk to other people as well. So, yeah, just do a small thing. Uh, wear a rainbow badge, uh, start to post something rainbow on social media. Um, you know, I start to ask questions, start to watch movies around LGBT. Uh, community and, and start to talk about it because this is, I think, the easiest way for people to understand really the lived experience of LGBT people um, based um, in the society. I like that, Ivy. That sounds really good. One thing I would love people to know more about you is what's a day like in Ivy's life from the moment you wake up to when you're doing your work um, for inclusion? 
diversity and inclusion, but also helping people. What is a day like in Ivy's life? I would love to know. Oh, I got two lives now. <laughs> hey. <laughs> I would say now, right now, I'm I'm still traveling Europe, but at the same time, my work is still focusing in China and Asia. So, um, so I wake up very early. I wake up like five a.m., four a.m. or five a.m. to really um uh, and and catch up with work in China team. And so from five a.m. to like ten or eleven, I'm I'm literally working, talking to people, um, in call chat, uh, and you know, uh. Telling people how to do, for example, inclusive bias training, DNI training, planning ahead our events in June um, in Shanghai around promoting diversity inclusion, job fair, and also workplace forum. Um, and then, and then after in the afternoon, I will be free to do anything that I want uh, in London, and mostly is watching movies, going swim, going to swim and sometimes having dinner with friends. Um yeah. Um and then and then in between I I read a lot of things around diversity inclusion or LGBT inclusion because mm-hmm. I need to keep myself, you know, updated and informed of what's happening around the world and also especially in China. So that I can have uh, you know, I can tell people, you know, my clients, my stakeholders, you know, what to do next. Um, yes, but then if I were in China, usually um, in the evening, I would go out <clears throat> to attend some networking events. Um, keep, uh, you know, keep reminding people that hey, I'm here in China. <laughs> Find me if you need me. <laughs> Use me, please. And um, Aww. and also to 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 drink with my friends in the community to to uh, you know to tell especially during the pandemic people friends are now become the family in China and and so to you know make sure that everyone everyone in the community is okay is right is safe and you know physically and mentally they are doing well so yeah. This is my day. I like it. It sounds like a it sounds like a very positive day for you. <laughs> it, it does. It does. It sounds tiring at the end of it, but it does. <laughs> it does sound positive. What is the best thing? What is the best advice you have ever received from somebody that has helped you in your life? Wow, it's it's, it's a big question. Bad advice, big advice. Mm. I would say that when I look back to my further years of life, the best big advice is I don't listen to people. <laughs> I don't yes. Especially I don't listen to my parents. I think this is the biggest advice that I can I can tell because you know there are a lot of people telling you things that you should do or you should not do. But I mean at the same at the end of the day. Your life is your life. You don't really people do not really know what you're going through, and people do not know that you're struggling. And people around you just could just you know sometimes they judge, but then it's for them it's a leisure to judge you. <laughs> so <laughs> you know, that's true. So I think the thing is at the end of the day you should just you know when you sleep before you sleep when you're showering you, you, 
I think what you can do is you reflect on yourself and what what's what you're doing, if the things that you're doing is what you like. And and at the same time, of course, it, I'm not saying that you always need to follow your heart, but then you need to make sure, you know, you're safe, you have a shelter, and also financially you are okay to do what you want. And, you know, I think when you want to do something big, uh, at the other day you need to make sure that you, you have a buffer to, so that you don't fall. When you fall, you don't fall so hard. And, yeah, that's and, true. And, you know, the, her, the master hierarchy of needs, you need to, the base, you need to, you know, you need to make sure that you, you have a, a solid base and foundation, you know, basic needs. For example, if you if you are safe, if you are, you, you are, you are shelter, and then you are financially able to support yourself. Um, I think especially to the LGBT community, when people are considering coming out to 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 their parents, to their family, to their friends. Um, it's not I'm not saying that you always I'm not saying that you don't come out, but then you need to make sure that you are safe when you come out because especially in China or in Hong Kong, the there are chances that you know, when you come out, people around you may discriminate you, even your own parents and your family. Yeah. And so make sure that you are independent enough so that when people reject you, you you are able to um, protect yourself. I think this is really really important. And because I've I've seen a lot of people who just say, oh I want to be herself, but then uh, when they come out to the parents, they they literally got kicked out uh, yeah. by the family in, in China. And and then after that, they really suffer because they because they even didn't have a shelter um, to protect themselves. And so. Um. Yeah, I would say that you know, dream, and when you dream, make sure that your basic needs are okay. You're protected your own self, and then slowly and gradually, um, and follow your heart, and and then uh, you know, not do not follow the advice of family or friends. <laughs> I agree with that one. I definitely can relate to that one. When was the last time that you felt totally at peace with yourself, Ivy? Oh, I'm. I would say I'm always at peace with myself. I like it. I like it. <laughs> I just. Um, I mean, I'm. I'm very fortunate, and I'm very privileged. I'm educated, and I'm. I'm. I'm from a middle class family yeah. in Hong Kong. I. I have two brothers, elder brothers. Uh, in front of me, so I do not really worry. I do not need to worry about my parents. You know, my if if and my family, my grandparents, uh, if things happen to them, I always know that my my brothers would help, would step in, and of course, um, you know, I, at least you know I am not on my own. So I think I'm really really lucky on this, and uh, I would say that uh, you know every day in the morning when they wake up and every day and night when I sleep I'm I'm really at peace I'm really happy and I would say I'm, I'm grateful for for what I have and that's the reason why that kind of pushed me or motivate me to to give to people because I know that there are people out there who do not who are not as lucky or fortunate or privileged as me and I want to share this to to people even before that when I was not you know, uh, when I was exclusively heterosexual, I still wanted to to support the community because I 
I hear them and I feel them and I want to help. And I think that's as simple as that. And yeah, so yeah, um, yeah, this is this is me. Um, I'm grateful. And actually, in my name, in my Chinese name, I have this. Uh, my my Chinese name is Wang Yong, and and the, the last character of my name is to be grateful. I think that's what my mom oh. want me to, and and I, like I always bear bear this in mind. And so yeah. Um, I'm just really, really lucky. I like that. I like that. And I like the ending of your name as well. I didn't know that. <laughs> That's a really nice thing to have. Thanks, my mom. <laughs> oh, <okay>. thanks, mom. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, Ivy, I only have two more for you. And my second to last question is, when you've done everything in your life that you feel has been a contribution to the world... How would you like people to remember you? Basically, what would you like your legacy to be as a human in this planet? Wow, <laughs> it's fine. People don't remember me, actually. <laughs> yeah, I say that too. <laughs> yeah. you know, um, I don't know what it's so deep. This question, I didn't think about it. <laughs> um, you know, when I last year I got two awards and I was. I was kind of a. Sometimes I got ashamed of getting this award because, especially as a Hong Kong person, um, as a Hong Kong person grew up in Hong Kong and work in China, I would say there are a lot of people out there who are more deserve the awards than me because you know, as I said, I'm just a privileged person who happened to be you know working in this area and happened to be able to get the awards and represent the community. Um. And uh, and I know that on the ground in China there are people, there are a lot of people out there who are Chinese, who grew up in China, who who go through a lot of challenges and struggle, deserve the awards than me. And and so yeah. And then last year when I got those awards, I was like, oh, you know, this award so only for me, but also for the community, especially Shanghai Pride. Um, who have been, you know, advocate, uh, advocating and, and promoting elderly inclusion in China. Um, so I don't know how people, how I want people to remember me. It's it's fine that people don't know me. To um, I don't know. I never think of it. Um, it's okay. I mean, especially, I mean, right now, as long as I'm alive, I know that. I'm making impact. I'm making the inference. Um, you know, people see, uh, especially young people see what they can become. Um, I think already is is enough for me. I'm happy already. <laughs> that sounds good to me. That definitely sounds good to me, Ivy. Before I have the pleasure of thanking you for coming on the show. I would love for people to be able to find you on all your social media platforms. Mm-hmm. Could you let us know what is the best social media or whatever you would like to share with us on where people can find you? Oh, okay. The easiest way is find me in LinkedIn. You can just Google IV Wong. And then, for example, LGBT and China. Already, I think I will come up first few, first few search. Um, not, not sure is it fortunate or unfortunate, but then yeah, just uh, if you have any question, um, ask me around China, Asia, LGBT, or the inclusion work. Uh, just uh, 
send me a chat, uh, message in LinkedIn. Um, I'm always there. Um, I reply very fast. So Cool. Ivy, I want to thank you for coming on the show and coming on. Ivy came and back to record the show. Um, I really wanted Ivy to come on the show again because it's such a beautiful thing to be able to share with you what she does and how she does it in the world. Ivy, this is my chance to say thank you so much for coming on the Ask People podcast. You have been a great guest. Thank you for sharing your wisdom, your kindness and your sense of humour. It's been absolutely great. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for having me again. No, you're more than welcome. And guys, thank you so much for listening to the Ask People podcast. And please remember, you can subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play and any other platform that you prefer listening to. Please also follow us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. And you can also donate to the Ask People podcast by simply going to the Savvy Rocks website or just typing in paypal.me forward slash us people podcast guys thank you so much for listening stay happy stay positive and as always please continue to be kind to one another Okay. Nice and easy. Cool. Ivy, do I have your number, Ivy? I think so. <laughs> I like the way you said that. I think so. Sometimes you need to say, I'm gonna be okay. Made up my mind, now is my time to shine. Now is my time to shine. Time that you let go, time that you let go.